0: the message today is in luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 20 but it's also um part of the series that we've been doing for the month of december which is in the book of luke and the series has been about making room and the um understanding is you know of course making room the in the innkeeper not having room for christ but the words and the works of the old testament prophets have given us a glimpse of hope of a coming savior. Whenever we read the Old Testament, it's not just about um, history or about how Israel as a nation, God watched over them and and brought them uh, through many different difficulties and separated them unto himself. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that speak to the birth of Christ. And to think that all 300 of those are fulfilled in Jesus and in his birth and his life, it's it's astronomical to um, know the statistics that would be with that. And that's over, you know, 1,500 years those uh, 300 prophecies were given. So when we think about our faith, our faith isn't... um, well, I got on my soapbox at Sunday school, so I'll, I'll step on it again. Our faith isn't uh, mystical. It isn't magic. It is a substance of our faith. Our faith is anchored in the Word in the Scriptures, and the Scriptures tell us about God and how that God works in our life. Jesus didn't just show up in history 2,000 years ago and claim to be something. He, he was foretold for, like we said, over 1,500 years, by many different authors 300 times. And then he came and and he fulfilled them. So we have all of these things going on that come up to the birth of Christ. And it's important for us to recognize how great that is, and that that God who would arrange such a thing loves you. His gift, the gifts of Christmas... (laughs) We should just say the greatest gift of Christmas is the coming of Christ. And all the other things that we give and share fall underneath that. So we find that Micah predicted that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Now, there's just four of these that I've written up, or five. And um, Micah said that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. That was 700 years before it happened. That's Micah 5.2. Daniel gave a timetable for Jesus' appearance. Um, and that was written in 535 B.C. He, was t- he gave the timetable. Isaiah said the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Who's going to write that? <laughs> you know, what person in their right mind is going to say, There's th- this is the prediction. There is going to come a Messiah, and he's going to be born of a virgin. You know, what's the chances of that happening? <clears throat> You're allowed to say none, okay. Um, hosea revealed that Mary and joseph would would have to go to egypt to save the save the life of Jesus hosea chapter 11 verse 1 so all of these things talk about the life the birth the life of Jesus his death his burial his resurrection um, all of these prophecies were given five to seven hundred years uh, before they uh, happened and even in even going back to creation when God says that he is going to st- Crush the, the head of Satan. It is Christ who is doing this. So as we look at Luke chapter 2, we see in Luke chapter 2 verse 1, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register, or to be taxed. Luke is the only gospel writer who referred to the events he recorded, and how those records that he recorded are written in timetables, or in a uh, position of pinpoint in history. So, Luke just doesn't say he was born of a virgin. Whatever he gives that Quirinius, quite I can't pronounce his word, but anyhow, this guy uh, was was ruler uh, uh, in the, in the area, and uh, Caesar Augustus was in uh, 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 head of the Roman Empire. So he gives to you a specific timetable, time place in history that we can go back and say these guys lived. Quirinius and Caesar Augustus, and we can see about the time that Jesus would have been born. So um, Luke puts it in perspective as to when it happened. His account was addressed to predominantly a Greek audience, and uh, they would have been interested in the the, um, topic and interested in the Roman Empire. They would have been interested in the political situations that were going on. Palestine was under the ruins of a Roman emperor. The Roman rulers were considered to be like gods, and they stood that in contrast to a tiny baby that would be born (laughs) in a stable, in a cave, and that tiny baby would be God. So here you have these great emperors and great rulers of the world, and then you have Jesus, a babe, placed in a manger in a cave. (laughs) Mary and Joseph wanted to travel. When Mary and Joseph had the census, when the census was taken, they had to travel. They had to travel to Bethlehem from Nazareth. And that is a hundred-mile journey. Okay, ladies, nine months pregnant. <laughs> and, no, you know, there's no donkey mentioned in the Bible. Not the, to the jo- that Mary rode on. So it's probably... She walked a hundred miles, nine months pregnant. How may, how, I well, I, I may look like I'm pregnant, but I couldn't do a hundred miles. <laughs> so Ruth, don't say anything. Uh, so anyhow, <laughs> verse, verse four. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and lineage of David. We recognize that God made promises to David, King David, that there would be a descendant of his that would be the Messiah. And here we have God, see, we're seeing how that God controls history. Centuries after King David's birth, where was he born? He was born in Bethlehem, a house of bread. Hmm also would be the birthplace of jesus this is a town where the eternal son of god became flesh he jesus is the bread of god that comes down from heaven and we speak of this every time we take communion jesus the bread of life was born in bethlehem the 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 town of bread the house of bread so you know all of the things that come together for the scriptures we start Putting them together and start adding them up, and sometimes when we're looking at these texts and so on, we read over them. Um, I'm old, and uh <laughs> yeah, okay. See, I knew she was going to say that. But anyhow, yeah, he's old. But anyhow, uh, I've read, We've read this for 73 years. Okay, so anyhow. We could read over this and we could think of these things and just, oh, I was born down in down of Bethlehem. Blah, blah, blah. There is a lot to what is said and what is stated in the scripture text. And we know that in verse 5, he went there to, he went to Bethlehem to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Notice that the scriptures again reiterate was pledged to be married. Now, Looking back at the scriptures and the text that we had in the previous uh, Sundays, we know that the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And the, and, the, and the child that will be born in you is of a divine origin. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And so this, and, and this betrothal, now talked about it a little earlier, that betrothal at that time period often was about a year. And the betrothal was like being married, but the couple didn't live together. They didn't have physical relationships together. They were That would wait until they were united in marriage. But it was a betrothal, and to break that betrothal was to, to have a bill of divorce. So, and at that time period, um, a man could divorce his wife for basically any reason. But Joseph didn't want to, did not want to hurt Mary. Now, it's, if you can, you know, it's hard to say putting yourself in that position. It, we, can't have, we can't imagine what it was like because in that time frame, they would stone her. <laughs> you know, the law of Moses, if he made an issue out of it, they would stone her because of her sin because how else can you have a child oh god did this to me (laughs) yeah mary so but we know through the scriptures and through the revelation of the angel coming to joseph and saying don't be afraid to take mary to be your husband your wife because that which is conceived in her is of the holy spirit so we find that God is capable of performing miracles, but yet in the same instance, sometimes it doesn't seem to add up. It's going to be a very hard life for Mary. She's 15, 16 years old, and here she's got this stigma in her society that she is is with child and she's not married. Hmm. Verse 8. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn notice her firstborn <laughs> so uh, a son she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them in the end the scripture notes that jesus is mary's firstborn in matthew 12:46, while they were still talking to the multitude behold his mother And brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Mary had other children. Mary and Joseph had other children besides Jesus. But Jesus is the firstborn. He is the one divinely conceived. The newborn baby was wrapped in what is called uh, swaddling clothes. Some have interpreted as strips of rags. And we would think of it as uh, wrapping a child. Uh, One, people say it's, two different m- manners. You know, if you have a child and you're laying them in a, a feed trough, and the feed trough is probably made out of stone. They would get a piece of stone and carve carve out a, uh, a bowl in that for the animals to eat, or it could have been carved into the side of the cave. And so there is this feed trough that the baby is laid in, and so they would wrap the child to protect it from anything that might be in the in the in the feet trough, or it is often thought that it was for comfort reasons. That the child um, was in a confined quarters in his mother's womb and that freedom can create a panic or a fear. But anyhow, f- finding or wrapping a child in swaddling clothes, strips of rags, probably for Mary, um, was a sign that the parents were good parents. Anyone who, any, any parent that would not, wrapped their child was considered that they were not a very good parent. So we find that most likely for the source of Jesus being born in a stable is because of the feed trough. It doesn't say stable, it says, well, the implication is a cave. Um, They didn't build structures like we have over here this structure. Now, that right there is right from Jerusalem, from Israel, so <laughs> Bethlehem, maybe. And uh, so that all came from Bethlehem, the stable, and it's a, it's a replica of, the, of what Jesus was born in. No, it isn't. <laughs> okay, all right, I have to be more serious, right? Did you ever wonder what links what link what links God would go to to reach your life? Did you ever wonder how far would God go to touch you? To touch your life? Well, he became a child. God who created all things, spoke the worlds into existence, became a baby, became human took on the weaknesses of a child and (laughs) grew to be a man, all because he wanted you and I to spend an eternity with him. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Bethlehem was not far from Jerusalem. It's about five miles. And perhaps the first individuals who received the message of the Messiah's birth were the shepherds who watched the flocks, and they were the individuals, this was something I read years ago, the flocks that were kept by these shepherds near Jerusalem were probably the flocks that were used in the sacrificial system of the temple. So the shepherds who received the message of the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world were shepherds who watched the flocks that would be used in the temple sacrifices for the sins of the people. One of the, I remember when we were going through Israel uh, on a bus, (laughs) um, the, 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 the guide was saying, well, shepherds never... Shepherds never uh, drive their sheep. They lead them. They walk in front of them, and the sheep follow. We, fall, we, found, we found a guy that was behind the sheep. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we, we pointed it out to the, to, to the guide, and he stopped the bus and got off and went over and talked to him. And he said, he's not the shepherd, he's the butcher. And so that cleared that up in a hurry. But we know that in the imagery that God has for us, he is the good shepherd. He leads us. God leads us into the kingdom of heaven. God does not drive us to heaven. he's, He's not manipulating us. He's presenting. He presents himself. He presents his love. He presents his forgiveness. He presents the truth. He presents all of this before us. And we get to choose. Do we accept it or not? Do we believe or do we let it go? The challenge is before us to accept the truth that God has presented. And again, 300 (laughs) prophecies in the Old Testament about Christ's birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and all 300 are fulfilled. That's what we would call a miracle. It couldn't happen just by happenstance. Why do we have faith? Faith is the substance. The substance of our faith is the scripture, the fulfillment of the scripture, what it means to us. Verse 8. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. That's a good, good uh, analogy. They were terrified. Um, it's not unusual to be afraid. I think of an angel sat down beside you. No, that's not an angel. I'm sorry. (laughs) She's not not an angel. or He's not an angel. Well, if an angel sat down beside you were was there, the the translation is one that the angel was among them. Some of them, some translations have it that the angel came and appeared among them. So they were lying there in, in their encampment, their fire, whatever. And the angel is among them. Okay? So it isn't, you know, most of the pictures we have is the angel's far off in the distance and comes close and they're sore afraid and speaks to them from this. Well, the, some of the translations have it that the angel just stands right in the midst of them. <laughs> okay? And the angel's right in the midst of them and speaking to them. Can I have your undivided attention? <laughs> That's what the angel would say. You know, no, he didn't say that. Um, but see, we find that God is there among us and they were terrified. But what does he say? Verse 10. The angels said to them, do not be afraid. God's message to us is never one of fear. The only time God wants us to be afraid is we need to fear the idea of spending eternity in hell away from God. We need to fear that. But other than that, God's message to us is one of coming into his kingdom, coming into a relationship with him, coming into this right relationship with God where our sins, are past, our failures are forgiven. They don't haunt us. We don't drag them into heaven. We don't drag them into life. We let them go. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the peoples. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. The town of David, or the city of David, Bethlehem, the greatest event in history has just happened. The Messiah has been born. For centuries, the Jews had waited. Expectantly, the prophets had spoken of a Messiah coming. They had prayed for this. But when he finally occurred, when it finally happened, they just kind of, it's like, that isn't the way we thought he would do it. You know, we we spoke of in the Sunday School lesson, when the wise men came from the east, the Magi, they came to Jerusalem looking for a king. And Herod, of course, you know, he didn't know anything about it. He asked his Jewish advisors, and they said, well, the king's going to be born in Bethlehem, and so the Magi go off and go to Bethlehem. Well, these Magi have come over 1,000 miles. The Jewish leaders that were, in, that were advisors to the king told him where it would be, but those advisors never went to Bethlehem. They knew that there would be a king and he would be born in Bethlehem. These three guys have come, or at least Um, three. Because there's three gifts, that's why we assume three. And these three guys come from a thousand miles to find a king and these advisors who know they were scholars of the Old Testament didn't have enough faith to go to Bethlehem to see what these guys had traveled a thousand miles to find. They really wanted something that they didn't want. So Faith is the substance, the knowledge of someone or something. Our saving faith is one that believes that Christ has died for our sins and rose from the dead. He is not a dead Savior. He is a living Savior. This message is not beyond us. It is simply (laughs) enough for each one, for each individual. His birth is not the beginning. Jesus was there in creation. His birth was the coming, the incarnation of God, God becoming man. It isn't the birth of God, it is God becoming man in order that mankind can find forgiveness and find a right relationship with God. So Jesus existed before he was born because his coming as a person was to save us from our sins. To give us the way, the path, the plan of God so that we would have eternal life. Ephesians 1.4 says, Just as he uh, chose us in him before the foundation of the world, God chose us, you and I, before the foundation of the world. Meaning God always was. And before there was a creation, before there was the thinking God's, thinking of a creation, he knew you and I. And it was his plan to be the savior for our sins. So wherever you are, whoever you are, you can have Jesus in your life. All you have to do is ask. Verse 12. The angel speaking unto the shepherds said, this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe Wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. Wept in, I like the King James swaddling clothes. Um, the Jews longed for the day in which their Savior would come. Um, we find that the angel messengers meant something far more important than Jesus had come to reconcile humanity to himself that reconciled us to make things right between us and God. What, what has to take place for God, for things to be made right between you and God? Jesus has come to do that. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, so here's this heavenly host, okay? There's this, you know, we don't know how big it is, but I, I looked up Revelation, uh, oh no, Second Kings chapter 6, uh, the servant arose and looked out. Oh, this is the, the occasion. Yeah, i got so many scriptures. The occasion in which Elisha was uh, being pursued by the enemy. And they, 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 the enemy was this great compound around, you know, hundreds of soldiers and chariots and so on, had surrounded Elisha's house. And Elisha's servant got up and said, hey, there, there's, there's, there's all these hundreds of people who have come to arrest us, to arrest you. And Elisha said, prayed for the guy. He said, God, open his eyes. And he saw around them a heavenly host, multitudes of angels and multitudes around them. And he said, there are more with us than with them. We find there's more with us than with them. The angels of God, and what did what happened? God blinded them, the the, the army, and 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 uh, Elisha led them back to Jerusalem, you know, and they found themselves in in, in captured, captured, and the the children of Israel left them go back to their homes. <laughs> but we find how that the multitude of angels uh, was there. in Revelation 5:15 it says which reads, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So when we're talking about a multitude, (laughs) God doesn't use 100 or 200. He talks about the thousands of angels. And I like to think, well the bible says the angel of the lord encamps around those who fear him those who have a reverential respect for god the angels of the lord are around you the holy spirit god's presence is in us that he has gone before us he's behind us he's to the le- left he's to the right you know and no matter where we go god is already there and so the challenge for us is to have enough faith not to be distracted by the events of life but to have enough faith to see the hand of God on our life. Verse 14, the angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth and good will toward men. The angels make a declaration that will become understood to a greater degree later on in the Gospels that divine favor, the grace of God, is upon us. It means the grace is the word divine favor is upon our life. So you are highly favored. You know, when we think of Mary and we think of the angels coming, you are highly favored, Mary. That's grace. And whenever we think of what God is doing in our life, you are highly favored. Don't say, oh, I'm not that good, I'm not this. God is not worried in what you're not. He's, he's planned for us a purpose, and you are highly favored. He has a purpose. The message of the gospel is that humankind is no longer an enemy with god we are no longer an enemy with god god is not against us god is for us he is for us and he has come to be that savior who would walk with us verse 15 and when the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let us go to bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the lord has told us about Of all the things that are disputed in scripture, the place where Jesus was born, Bethlehem, is not disputed. Um, I was fortunate enough to be there in Bethlehem in the church that oversees, that's over the cave. And there are two churches (laughs) over the cave where Jesus was born. And one of them has a small part of the cave and the the other church has a larger part of the cave. And every year they exchange the baby. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. But one year they have, one has the baby and they have a procession at Christmas and they'll take the baby over to the other side and, they, and the other church has it for a year. But that Jesus was born in this cave in um, a very out-of-the-way city called Bethlehem. Verse 18, verse 15. And when the angel had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let us go to Bethlehem and see." The se- the shepherds discussed this. Now, if an angel shows up to you and tells you you need to move, um, uh, wait a minute, I got, I have to call, I have a, I have a call a friend card. I need to call a friend, <laughs> and find out what I. No, just do what he says. Verse uh, verse uh, 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, the trough that was used to feed the animals. The message from God will be exactly as he said. They remembered what the angel had said, and they found exactly what we're told. And the shepherds, when they had seen him, verse 17, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. The evidence that here are... If you understand, shepherds are the lowest group in the society of people. They were the, the ones who were on call 24-7, 365 days a year. They lived out in uh, the uh, uh, meadows and the hillside. Their whole life was about taking care of sheep. They were willing to die that their, their sheep would live. And so a shepherd was, but that was considered a low position. But they, these shepherds, were chosen for a specific job. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, the, the, wor- the wonder of the many is a um, tran- transient emotion the wonder of the, the many was a transient emotion, meaning it was there momentarily, and it left. But this wonder was, for Mary, was le- recollecting, was an abiding memory. It was an abiding presence that what these shepherds came and declared. So the challenge for us is don't allow... Our relationship with God and the things of Christmas, birth of Christ, don't allow these things to be transient. They are important for the moment. But keep these things. Keep the scriptures and keep the word of God and keep it in your hearts. Recollect it, reminding, keeping these things in our hearts and live. Don't let the things of God just simply fade away. Keep them first in your life. Because Jesus has placed you first. He gave himself as the first gift. He gave himself for you. Amen? Jesus, we thank you that you came to find us. So as we remember the birth of Christ, we remember the good that you have done, the the life that you lived, your, your death, your resurrection. All these things are in light of what happened this day that we celebrate Christmas. We thank you for coming and being our Savior. We ask you, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of those things that have injured others and that others have injured us. We ask you, O God, to forgive us. Let us forgive them. May we find peace in our heart that only you can give. Forgive us, O Lord. Establish our faith. Keep us close to you. And may our relationship with you never be transient. But let it be that which will keep us from now through into eternity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.